What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kingdom Core podcast. It's uh, your host, Sean, here. Chris is with me. Yo. What's up? And um, man, that was a fun, fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, really cool conversation for both of us. Um, if you didn't already know, which you probably should have because you clicked on this episode, <laughs> we talked to uh, Kevin and Joey from Disciple. Um, which was just so, so fun for me. Uh, Disciple was literally, I was just telling Chris, like, if you go back on the timeline of like me with music, that's like, that has screaming in it. They, they were the beginning. Yeah. So just a really cool for, full circle for me. Um, and they Chris, were probably, I, probably my first time hearing screams in music as yeah. well. And I was very hesitant to keep <laughs> listening, but I'm glad I did. Yeah. <laughs> I pushed I mean, through we've it. Been li- I've been listening to them 13, 14 years. You said how, Seven, how long? 17. 17. 2007. So, yeah, I think that's 17 years, if I can math right. Yeah, um, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time, and it's like, you know, I've been a massive fan for ever since. And, you know, Scars Remain was my introduction. Horseshoes and Hand Grenade. Oh, no, Southern Hospitality. I remember when that came out. Yeah. Anyways. Long time. Big, <laughs> I was about to say Southern Hospitality didn't hit me as hard because I I was at the time adamantly against any sort of country slash Southern sounding music. Oh my gosh! So yeah. it didn't click with hey, that me. album. Back, that album no. is a sleeper. I just listened to good it. Jams on it. Yeah, and three two one absolute classic. Three two one is so good, especially yeah. it, live. It, it, yeah, it's one of the. I think that's better. One of their better live tracks. But I agree. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys don't know, um, and you guys will hear about it probably straight from the get go. Um, but they have been doing a lot of promo for their new song promise to live, which is basically making a pact that, uh, if you're suicidal, that you are promising to live. Um, so this was a very special episode for us. Um, not only because it was disciple, but just because of that and getting to talk about that message of mental health and suicidal thoughts and any of that sort of, uh, topics. Yeah, no, definitely some deep conversations, great stories about, you know, interactions they've had with the fans over the last almost year since the album came out. Yeah, also looking into some of the the recording process of Skeleton Psalms and some of their older Mm -hmm. discography as well and talking about the different eras of Disciple and Disciple (laughs) 3.0, where we are now. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was was so cool. It was such a pleasure to uh, meet Kevin and Joey and... Absolutely. Um, I'm excited for you guys to get to hear this episode because that was that was one of my favorites. Uh, and just before we hop into this episode, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. You guys have stuck you, by us supporters. through our three-month absenteeism again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys are absolute <laughs> rock stars. Uh, so our Patreon core givers, we got Fabian Richter, Daniel Harding, Jonathan Lyman, Steve Michalowski, Anthony Kuchma, Frankie Blocker and Aaron Peter. Guys, thank you so much. And our true fans, uh, you're all true fans, but Dead Pedal Coffee Company, they are us true since f- the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you guys are <laughs> they have. amazing. Um, yeah, so thank you all so much for sticking by us. And we hope that you guys really enjoy this episode. So let's hop into the conversation with Kevin and Joey. Skeleton Psalms new record i mean it's been out for almost a year almost a year yeah that's crazy, crazy. <laughs> does, does it feel like it's been like that long 
No, that's just weird. That you, I feel like my life just keeps flying by. Yeah, yeah. Where did that? Where did that time go? That's weird. yeah. I mean, you you've put out a lot of records, man. You know, I was thinking it's been almost thirty years of Disciple. Yeah, that's insane. It's been thirty. It's been more than thirty for me. Yeah. What uh, what day did the album release actually, last year? April twenty eighth. Okay. Yeah. So almost yeah. not quite. Yeah. So this time last year we were like literally just constantly having conversations of like when is the next single coming out and getting yeah. all the stuff set up. Yeah. Has really there been cool. um any particular songs live that, that the crowd connects with or that you guys particularly that, enjoy? This one, you know, for sure, Promise to Live is yeah. like mm-hmm. ex- extremely powerful. Yeah. Uh, whenever we get to talking about it, like the, it, it blows me away. Like the idea of the the power behind a song, you know, absolutely. Uh, just like, you know, we're all just pretty normal guys. I don't want to say that we're not extraordinary because the guys in the band are are completely extraordinary, but uh, uh, we're still just people. So you know, it's not like we think that we're capable of superhuman feats or whatever. Uh, they they're amazing musicians and. You know, that's that's what they're really good at. But like just uh, the power of a song, it's crazy. It's just like transcends everything when there's this message and there's melody and it's well done. And we're off just doing something else, very human. And there's these miracles that just happen, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and that's not obviously not just us. It's with any kind of music and any kind of message, really, you know, a Celine Dion song, really. I remember being at a Celine Dion concert and uh, singing the, uh, the near far song, whatever that one's called. I can't even think what it is. The My heart will go song. on. My heart will go on. And I remember like feeling like I was in church or something, you know, just like this music, just, it's just miraculous, man. Music has just this power of mm-hmm. reaching you where other messengers can't. And um, this uh, promise to live has just been a song that has been, just very powerful. So we're, we're thankful to be a part of it. That's really, yeah, awesome. that was cool. So you, you guys did like a partnered merch drop with heart support there the, the other week. Yeah. Yeah. Did I have a good response. You have to ask him, man. We did it. We did it for him. I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, the, we're the not, last, um, number that he sent us as far as like how much money it raised was a really good one. So I think, it, awesome. I think it was well received and, um, yeah, it was, it was very successful. Awesome. That's so sweet. I'd love to, uh, I mean, Kevin, you're talking about how like, it's just, it like transcends everything. I'd love to hear like, just how that, like, what was the concept for that song? Like, where did that song begin? Take us through the writing process of that. That it's mind blowing really, because again, um, we're just normal and we make a lot of mistakes and we make a lot of mistakes as songwriters specifically. Uh, and so this, this is kind of why this song is so special, why it's so powerful, why it's so, all, all those things that this song is, uh, is I didn't really believe in it at first. Mm, okay. <laughs> I didn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't really into it. Like um, musically or like, mm-hmm. okay. As, a, as from a song level, Got like, it. because we get in our head a lot about writing a song. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just all um, trying to save the world the whole entire time we're writing a song. Sometimes we're just trying to write a good song that we think, you know, right. hopefully will pay the bills, you know, and yeah. uh, hopefully hopefully somebody will turn it up and enjoy it. Um, and Josiah 
uh, our guitar player is the one that actually wrote the song, uh, or most of it, the, at least the initial ideas. And uh, when he brought it to me, one really cool thing about uh, this band and the guys in this band is um, we really trust each other. And mm -hmm. so we allow each other to kind of give their opinion of a song, at, which is just amazing to have as a band because this is the third um, iteration of Disciple that I've been in. Disciple um, 3.0, right? <laughs> Disciple 3.0 is what we call it. And uh, that freedom has was not there in either of the two versions of Disciple of just being able to give your opinion about a song and it being well-received. Uh, and these guys, we all do it to each other and it's always very well received. It doesn't mean everybody agrees, but it's just like, it's allowed and encouraged. And it's a really a beautiful thing. And so that being said, uh, Josiah plays a song for me and, and it has these just killer, uh, verses that are very similar to what uh, made it on the album. And then it had this chorus that said, run to me. And, um, uh, and some other things. I, I just was like, I don't really like that chorus. And then that, that bridge that's there, that's, uh, this is not your downfall. That was, he had that. And I told, I said, this verse is really good. And this bridge is off the charts, like a hundred on a scale of one to two, you know, it's like really good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, but it's weird that you have a bridge that's like way better than the chorus and better than, better than the verse. So I was mm -hmm. like, that's, I was like, let's let's see if we can't, you know, come up with a, a chorus. So he and Andrew got together and there was this old um, so for people that don't know much about Disciple, we do we we're very evangelistic and talk about our faith from the stage. And uh and so there was this message I was giving from the stage years ago and it was basically called Promise to Live and it was encouraging people that were struggling with self harm or uh depression, suicidal thoughts to make a promise to live. And, um, you know, after that message, I had several people come up to me and, and say that they had, they had made that promise. And then years later say, you know, I'm, I'm still keeping my promise. And so it was really, it was kind of a special thing. And there's who knows why that message, why I said that message at that given time, who, who knows, you know, right. Uh, but they were working on the song without me and said, Hey, remember Kevin had that message years ago called uh, promise to live. Why don't we, that might fit with the, this, this, these verse ideas and it definitely fits with this uh, this bridge idea and uh, they brought it to us and again I was just kind of like it's alright <laughs> <laughs> you know it's alright I just wasn't feeling it for a, a lot of reasons then we kept working on it we kept doing this and it, usually what happens is the more work we put into the song the more we don't know if it's any good or not you mm -hmm. know the, the more like you've like cultivated it and just really got into it because then you're not really, you're not li listening to it from a fan perspective anymore, audience perspective. You're listening to it as a, as a critic and, and as a, someone who's like trying to create this thing. And by the time the end of it, you're like, I think it's good. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. And so we put all this, <laughs> we put all this work into it and we thought it was good. We thought it, we thought it was a really good song. I don't think that any of us thought, much more than that. You'll have to ask Joey, Joey what he thought. But when, when we got uh, an offer to play Winter Jam, what happened was we had this album, Skeleton Psalms, that was getting ready to come out four months after Winter Jam starts or three months after Winter Jam starts. And we, we, we wanted to play a new song, but we were like, oh, gosh, this is Winter Jam. This is arenas. This is moms and dads and youth yeah. groups and youth group leaders. <laughs> scare them and, away. We just, <laughs> and we just recorded – 
we just recorded one of the heaviest albums we've ever recorded. Right. And the song that we were, you know, really excited to play was a song called The Executioner. We yeah. made a video for it. <laughs> and it's like so heavy and it's got all this dark, you know, what, you know, imagery. And it's this v music video where it's like they're just leading me to my death mm -hmm. the entire video. And I was like, I, whew, we were like, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good idea to play on Winter Jam. They might you know, like run for the exits if we play this. Like, so we thought that the, we thought the only song that we had off the new album that was marketable for that audience was promise to live. Mm -hmm. And it's just so funny because it's like, again, you know, as human beings and we mess up and screw up all the time. And obviously I screwed up. I just did not see the beauty and the power of the song. I didn't really respect it or understand it. And we'd worked so hard to make it, a, what I would consider a good song. And then sure enough, we start playing this song and every single night, man, somebody would come up to the table after us and say one of three or four things, either I was going to commit suicide tonight and now I heard that song and now I've, I make a promise to live or I tried to commit suicide a week ago. I heard that song tonight and I make you a promise to live or I was planning on committing suicide next week and I heard the song tonight. And I mean, is every single night, you know, Joey, Joey and Tess is, you know, right there. We, we was see, and when, when people say that to us, you know, you, you start, you want, you want to do good things. You want to make a difference in the world. You want to do things, you know, but um, when it's the power of the song, you realize you had very little to do with it. And especially the fact that I wasn't even a huge fan of the song to begin with, you know, I wasn't even like, it just is very is evident how little I had to do with how powerful it was. It was just like God just kind of created this thing in spite of me, especially, um, and just said, there's these people. The only the only way this band is ever going to play this song is if they get this winter jam opportunity. And there's these people that are going to be coming to this show that need to hear this message. And it it all just went from there. And uh, I think we released it to radio after that joey and i, I don't it was at number one for how long 16 weeks straight wow the longest the, the most successful yeah the most successful single we've ever had and i didn't even believe in it to begin <laughs> yeah with. isn't that so, how it always is <laughs> yeah i mean it was literally a song that was almost like dead in the water before it even got started and then hmm. became our most successful radio song and like he just said every night of winter jam like there it was there, there wasn't a night that was skipped where it wasn't at least one person and i would say actually most nights it was w way more than one person <laughs> um, oh, wow yeah coming up saying the you know i tried to commit suicide a couple of weeks ago or i was planning on it tonight and i mean it's just it's wild yeah, wow, that's, crazy a, that's so amazing. Yeah, that's it, awesome. it's crazy. I'll tell you one story in particular that really made an impact on me was this: this wife came up. This, uh, this, the husband like stood off at of a distance and you know just didn't want to even say a word for for whatever reason, shy or whatever. And uh, she said, "My husband struggles with suicide, and tonight made a promise to live." And then I don't. How long was it till we saw him again, Joey? Do you remember? Was it weeks or a couple months later? We saw him again. I think it was a couple months. It's a couple months later. And we saw him again and, and she makes a comment similar to like he's he's made that promise and he's sticking to it. His life was forever changed, you know, that night after hearing that. And the one thing that sticks out about that is 
when people are struggling with things, we usually keep it from a very individualistic perception. And this was this person's spouse that was like, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people who are struggling with depression and suicide, they kind of believe the lie that, that nobody loves them and nobody cares about them. That's really just something they're fighting by themselves. And they mm-hmm. don't really realize, you know, how it's affecting the people around them. And that was really good for me to see. It was this wife. Like the guy didn't even ever sit on the air, even said a word to me. It was the, it was the wife. You know, there's all these other people that were coming up for themselves and were saying, hey, this, this song's changed my life. But this particular instance, it wasn't the person whose life was changed. It was the person who loved the person whose life was changed. Does that make <laughs> yeah. sense? No, absolutely. And it just really helped, helped me to see like, man, this, this thing, this thing is, uh, people need to know that there's people out there that, that love them, mm-hmm. you know, that, that when their life is turned around, like there's people that are grateful, you know, and uh, when you're hurting, there's other people that are hurting because you're hurting, you know. And, yeah. uh, that because it's the lie that you you're facing it alone and um, you know going through it alone. It's a uh, it's totally not true because it all it's always affecting somebody around you. Yeah, I think no matter who you are, like even if you do feel like truly truly alone, no matter who you are, there is somebody that loves you always. and cares about you and look and, up and looks up to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It needs you, you know. Yeah, no, that's so cool. I think something about that song kind of also reminds me a little bit t- different topic, but uh, kind of like when you guys released Dear X on Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Like it has, it's a similar feel. You know, it's kind of like a, I don't know what you call it, a power ballad or kind of like a slightly softer song. But um, I remember back when that came out it was kind of a similar thing where like that was, that was like the lead single. And I, I remember hearing stories online, even though we didn't have the same online uh, presence back then. Right. Just how, how impactful that was to people. Cause I, I saw you guys at uh, creation Northwest 2010. And I think you wow. guys said, if I'm not that mistaken, show. that that was the second time ever that you were going to play that song or something like that. Like this, Second oh my live audience. something <laughs> oh, like wow, that wow. i remember it, and you guys released pre-orders for the album and all that but i was in youth group at the time so it was uh <laughs> that album cycle and leaning on was such a huge impact to me personally um you so made it man you're, thank you guys you're yeah. grown up now congratulations <laughs> you did it well when you were saying you've been in disciple for over 30 years like doing this band oh yeah I am more, more I am that. turning 30 in June. So. <laughs> and I'm the only got to do that, man. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I can, I can tell you for a fact, you know, we, we tell people what year, you know, Disciple started, but it's, uh, it, it's not, it's not necessarily true. I actually played my first show in a band we called Disciple with me and the original drummer, uh, we just we called this band Disciple. It just wasn't the Disciple that everyone knew. It was a Disciple with two other friends of ours from school. Yeah. And my first show in Disciple was September of 1990. Oh, so, my gosh. Wow. So that's definitely so you more than been 30 like years six, ago. right? <laughs> no. No. I wish. Were you, I wish. you were in high school, though, or something, right? When that's... Uh, 1990, I was uh, I was 14. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
But still, that, that's cool that, you know, that is cool. trace it all the way back to being a 14-year-old starting. And yeah. you're still doing this all these years later. So Yeah, 1990. Let's see. I remember these pants we were wearing. I think they were <laughs> skater skater pants. They were called skids, maybe? Or, like, I can't remember. They're like the parachute so. pants? Yeah, they were kind of they were kind of parachutey a little bit, you know. They were like total skater style, and yeah. uh, that was my that was my style as a fourteen year old skater skater kid. I love that. Did you ever wear? The, <laughs> I was never the good at skating, but I tried so hard and like just road rashed my face. I can't even explain to you how many times, <laughs> you know, just trying. Did you ever wear the Jinko like, or like Lee pipes? Uh, Jinko for like a, a minute, maybe. Yeah. I was poor, so I didn't have enough money for it. <laughs> uh, Joey, how, how long have you been in the band now? And maybe you want to tell us a little bit of how that came about, how you guys joined up together. Yeah. Uh, um, I hear a boat, a boat. Did I hear a boat? Sorry. Is that your Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you hear a boat? I was like, I don't think so. Uh, somebody's like, somebody's from from yeah. north of us. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, New Year's Day of this year was uh, 10 years that I've been in the band officially. Wow. That's uh, amazing. Which is nuts. Um, I auditioned in the fall of 2013 uh in october and you know i'd played the shows and whatnot and um i still had a couple of commitments um that i was obligated to for the rest of that year so that's why i started officially on uh, new year's day of 2014 um, but how that came about was um i played for a indie pop rock band called after edmund that was in the uh christian rock scene okay. for a while back in like the late 2000s uh or, well late like 2008 9 10 um landed a job with them and that was my first uh touring act i guess and was with them for two years and at the end of 2013 disciple was going on a like two-week run and it was between us and two other bands, I can't remember who it was, Josiah actually knows who it was, um, that Disciple had a choice of taking out. And all these bands had production at the time because that was before Disciple carried all the uh, sound rig and the lighting and all that. So um, they would bring out bands that own production, and that's why we own production, so we could get on tour with uh, bands. And so we ended up getting selected and I'd been a disciple fan since I was in middle school. I worked at a Christian bookstore when I was in high school selling their CDs. I worked at a Christian radio station as a DJ and played disciple music on the air all the time. Just huge fan. So when we went on this tour, I was like, I was losing my mind. I was a little bit of a fanboy, <laughs> And, um, yeah. What I did not know is that I went to church with a guy, his name's Evan Silver, uh, who used to be in a Christian rock band called Chasen. I'm not sure if you remember Chasen. Oh, they did I've, a little I've bit. Heard of them. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I only knew Evan as the Did he play bass, Kev? Or was it guitar? Guitar. Guitar. Um, I only knew him as the guitar player of Chasen. I had no idea that he worked with Disciple. And so we became getting, our tour manager there for a while. Yeah, he, Evan had been their tour manager. So um, we're going out on the, the road with them. And uh, 
Evan calls me one day and he goes, Hey man, um, what if I told you that disciple might be interested in auditioning you for their new drummer? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, why? Like they got a drummer. He's like, he's like, well, he's like Trent's leaving. Um, and, uh, Kevin had asked me if I knew any drummers and, um, I put your name in the pot and it just so happens you're going out on tour with them. And, uh, I was like, are you serious right now? And he was like, yeah, he's like, so, uh, don't screw it up. And basically telling me like, play good while you're out on the road. And so that was my opportunity, uh, to play in front of Kev and the, the rest of the guys. And so they got to see me play a completely different style of music, but my, my style of music was disciple that's what i learned how to play drums doing and uh and trent our drummer at the time walked me out of the bus and said i want to show you your next drummer because he was leaving the no band. way he said, I wanna, that's so cool he said i want to i want he said i want to show you our your next drummer and he walked me over to i guess we were playing outside a tent or something in lima and ohio I watched, I watched the whole joe yeah, yeah i watched the whole set and watched joey play and was like yep i guess that's our next drummer <laughs> Thought, thought I was going oh, to awesome. thought, thought I was going to puke uh, seeing him on the side stage, um, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, so asked me if I wanted to come out and audition, and almost lost the job completely over a uh, Clemson football game. Uh, it's a it's <laughs> okay, a story that story. Uh, okay, uh, I'll try to keep it short. So basically, they were out on a six week long tour with Audio Adrenaline and Stellar Cart that fall. And Throwback. they just just so happened to be auditioning five or six yeah, drummers. 30 years, remember? 30 years. Say what now? Uh, 30 years we've been around. That that that, that, <laughs> that proved it right there. We were touring with audio adrenaline. <laughs> so so they, they had had they had a list of like five or six drummers, so they decided each week of that tour, uh, uh, each drummer was going to get a week to come out on the road, hang out on the bus, play the shows, you know, because they were – the audition phase is way more than can you play the notes? It's how is this person when they're not on stage, and, time. you know, like uh, how are they in the bus and their temperament and their attitude and all this stuff, you know? So a lot of factors. And, um, <laughs> Kev was like, he's like, Hey, can you do this particular week? And it was actually in the region of the country that I live in, in the South. And, uh, and I was like, actually, man, I can't, I got, um, I got Clemson football tickets for that Saturday. <laughs> And like a dummy, I didn't explain what the Clemson football tickets were. They were field passes that a friend of mine had worked a very long time on getting them for me. And I got to march down in the, like with the drum line and all this stuff. So it was like, oh, a, that's cool. But I, I posed this to Kevin as I just got Clemson football tickets and yeah, I don't, yeah. I can't make it the whole week because I got, I got tickets to the game. So that right there put a little bit of a bad taste. It's like, this guy does not want this job. He's like blowing us off to go to a Clemson football game. So Evan, who I told you about. I'll, no, I'll tell you what I actually, I'll tell okay. you what I actually thought. Yeah. I thought if he's going to miss an opportunity to try out over, over this, then what's he going to miss when he gets the job? That's what I, Ooh, that's yeah. what went through my head. Yeah. Yep. So go ahead. So, so Evan calls me and he goes, <laughs> I'm like, hello. He goes, what in the crap are you doing? And I, I don't know that, I don't know that he said, I don't know that he said crap. He might've said another word. Um, but, uh, and I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, bro. <laughs> he's like, 
you, I think you might have messed up with this whole Clemson football thing. He's like, I talked to Kev. He's like, that, that didn't really look good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. So it worked out perfectly. Disciple was playing a show in Greenville, South Carolina, which is about 40 minutes from where I live on that tour. And it was that week that I had blown off to go to this Clemson game. And I was like, you know what? Instead of calling Kevin, I'm going to drive to the show and I'm going to say I'm sorry in person and explain to him, you know, like face to face. And so I did. I drove over there and was like, can can I come hang out of the show? And then I caught him coming out of the door after a sound check. And I was like, bro, it's like I realized that I rubbed you the wrong way with that. This is what it was. And I explained the whole thing. He goes, oh, well, why didn't you tell me all that? And I was like, I didn't think. <laughs> I just wasn't thinking. And uh, and I basically was like, I will clear off the rest of my year. Like, I will cancel everything that I've got going on, uh, whatever you need, um, if you give me another chance. And he was like, yeah, cool. It's and, almost better so, that it went that way because, yeah. like, like it was how it kind of worked out. You just saw how much he wanted to be here, you know. Yeah. And that was yeah. kind of where I was, was like – Already having been through two uh, iterations of Disciple, I just wanted people that just wanted to be here, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been here for ten years, so I, I think you. I think yeah, he's stuck it out. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's he, a, he it's might a, still be undecided. Yeah, it's a it's a fun story. <laughs> Anytime uh, off the hook, you can leave at any point. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I yeah. No, he was never like in hot. There was never yeah. any like. Um, he always brings up things that uh, that I'm supposed to remember him in a negative light, and I I have the I I just I let stuff go really easily, and he'll bring up something. He go, oh, remember when I did this stupid thing? And I'm like, I haven't thought about that like ever until you bring it up, you know. And Joey's thought and about it every of, night trying to fall asleep. I, that, <laughs> seriously, seriously, if he hadn't have said that and told you guys that whole entire story right now, I don't know that I would have thought about it for the rest of my life. Well, I can't I guarantee I can't, you. I can't I watch. A close to football game without thinking like, wow, I almost didn't have a career because of you. You know? Uh, so that's cool. Oh, well, that's dude, so, so t- you've been in the band for 10 years. Yeah. Were you part of the recording process for Attack? I was. was I that, believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I that, reco- was, that was your. <clears throat> yeah. So I, like I said, I was kind of fulfilling some commitments to after Edmund uh, for the remainder of 2013. And we had gone to Europe uh, for a month. And while I was in Europe, Josiah was sending me the demos for attack so I could start listening to it. And I, I thought I was like, I knew that they were recording a new record at the beginning of 2014. And I was like, they're probably going to get, you know, somebody like Lester or uh, Trent or somebody to like record drums on this record. I'm probably not going to be doing anything. And they sent me the demos and they were like, start writing. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so I'm in Europe just like, you know, starting to think through parts and everything. And then it was, we got to the recording process. I was like, am I doing the whole record? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so uh, that was that was a very nerve wracking experience, um, but it turned out good, you know. It yeah, did. it's one of my favorite Disciple album. records. Yeah. I love that album. Oh, thank thanks, you. Man. Does it's it, one of my favorite too. It's really good. Does it feel like it's been ten years for that one? I know we already asked if it feels like it's been a year for Skeleton no. Psalms. <laughs> it, it does. It does. That one feels like it was a long time ago for some reason. Uh, okay. The other ones don't. Like the, okay. the very next one, uh, I guess, Long Live the Rebels, that doesn't feel that long ago. And that was yeah, that doesn't feel that long ago to me. It was eight, eight, eight years yeah. ago. 
feels like a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, that doesn't feel very long ago at all. But uh, Attack does. It feels it feels very nostalgic. That that was fun because uh, we were just coming off of a, a record label, and uh, it was a great experience with this record label. And so for me to say something negative about them might think that it was a negative experience, but it wasn't. It was a great experience. They're, they're a fantastic label. Uh, but they did, you know, kind of like put their input into like the lyrics and stuff. And sometimes mm-hmm. they would th- say, uh, you know, hey, uh, we think this is kind of cheesy, you know, and, and uh, you know, or this is kind of, you know, a little too Christian or something like that. And uh, that's all so subjective, you know, like what someone thinks is cheesy or what someone thinks is too Christian. And especially when you are a Christian and you're excited about being a Christian and you're writing a Christian song mm-hmm. and you are just saying something that is you, that is this how you feel about, you know, something. It's like you sometimes you just need people to take their opinions and shove it because you're just like, <laughs> this is me. I am creating this art that is real to how I feel about something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I felt like I couldn't say any of the things that I wanted to. So attack, it was like, here we go. All the things that I felt like I couldn't say for the last five albums, mm-hmm. you know, we I just, we went hard. Yeah. Yeah. We went very, we went very, very hard. You know, uh-huh. like I had, had these lines like Prince of Peace, uh, you know, yeah. uh, all these kind of things. And I, I remember specifically, you know, this label hearing, you know, the, that phrase and was like Prince of Peace. And that's kind of, that's kind of cheesy. And it's like, this is the language of Christianity. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? like, I, <laughs> I'm like, this is, you know, what, you know, what he, what he is, you know, there's a reason why he is that I want, I, I want to say it. That's how I want to mm-hmm. express it. You know, like that. I, I, I'm sure I could get creative and figure out a different way to say it, but uh, it was very important to me to just be blatant and to be bold and to not care um, whether it was perceived as cool because cool is just, is like the, uh, is, is just the enemy of, of you being authentic to yourself when you're trying to be cool. The, Cause the coolest thing that you could ever be is yourself uh, without worrying what other people think. That is the absolute epitome of cool. When you can walk into a room and just know that whatever someone's opinion of you doesn't matter. You know, this is not going to, and, and that's what I wanted to accomplish with that album is literally just say, this is how I really feel. This yeah. is what I really want to say. And whoever wants to buy it, buy it. Whoever doesn't, mm-hmm. listen to something else. You know, like that's that's kind of how I felt about it. So I appreciate you liking that album. Yeah. Sometimes artists, we just have to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, we play the game for, if you get in the industry, you'll, you'll play the game for a lot. And the right. game's fun, you know, and you will write a song that's, a little bit of a sellout type of song because you know somebody smarter than you and more talented than you and drives a nicer car than you thinks it's a good idea and uh so then at some point you're just like i want to write it the song that i want to write yeah and, uh, so it's funny you say that i remember the first time i ever saw you guys it was back when you guys toured with red and spoken back on the recalibrated yeah. tour back 10 years ago and i saw you guys wow. play at chain reaction in southern california wow. and i, I remember, remember that show I remember when you said, um, 
when you were about to play Radical because like nobody knew you guys were dropping a new album. That song hadn't mm. come out yet. And I remember you saying something on stage very similar to that, like we're not holding back. And then you guys played that. And I was just blown away. I was like, wow, they really are not holding back. So <laughs> yeah. that was the show. Yeah, I where, think that there's oh. something. Yeah, no, go ahead, please. No, I was, yeah, I was, I wasn't going to say anything serious. I was going to say that was the show where my, the front of my drum or my kick drum was at the front of the stage and you had about this much room to stand on right in front I remember of my, that. Yeah. my kit. <laughs> it's a tiny stage. I mean, it's very narrow. <laughs> yeah. It's a very narrow room, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Like, why do, why do I remember that? Yeah. I don't, but there's something really awesome about, I think, the bands that I grew up to, because I'm obviously older, just, there was something really cool about the boldness of those bands and what they were talking about whenever they would talk about Jesus and things. And, mm -hmm. um, because there, you know, it was immediate, you know, my friends were like, that's, you know, it's pretty lame, you know, or whatever. And it was, it was kind of like this thing. It was like, they're taking a chance, you know, mm -hmm. this is what a risk, you know, they're taking, you just like, they're either going to be loved or hated or appreciated because they're good musicians. But, you know, man, I don't know if I want to hear them talk about that or whatever. So it was this, it was this risk. It was this boldness or whatever. You go and, and watch these bands perform. And I just was like in awe of how bold, uh, uh, you know, risky everything felt. And, uh, you know, I found out that it's no different for us. It's still risky. You know, there's always people that can benefit from you that are trying to get you to be less risky, <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah. ah, you know, and, 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 um, at some point you just, again, you just believe in the miracle of, of what you're doing, that there's things that are just bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of realized that I, I I'm not going to be here forever. And, um, and like the things that I could accomplish, you know, as a, as a human are very, are very small. Uh, but just like the the um, parable of the or not the parable, but the story of the little kid who had some fish and some loaves of bread. And, and and Jesus says, what do we have? And he says, this is all I have. And he takes it and he does this miracle with it and multiplies it. And and all these people benefit from it. I feel like that is the story of my life that I've never had much to give. I've never had much to offer, but I've given it to him. And he's just he's multiplied it and um, made me look a whole lot better than than what I really what I really do and what how I really am. And. Uh, I feel like that's our that's our music, the miracle of music, and especially the song that we're here to talk about, "Promise to Live." It's just a, another perfect example of just this this little thing that we had that that he took and kind of turned into this amazing thing that's really making a difference for people. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Absolutely. I'd love to hear Joey. Uh, uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on "Promise to Live," like when you first heard it, and just uh, like how that how that was for you, the writing process of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I loved it only because, you know, <clears throat> um, the the messaging behind it, I've I've had my fair share of struggles with my own personal, you know, mental health, um, depression and anxiety mm -hmm. over the years. And um, just knowing how important it is to reach people who are um, hurting and lonely um, with with that form of music. Um, I know how important it is because music played that role for me when I was in high school and college. Um, and now, you know, when I'm going through stuff, like I've got a great um, uh, friend base around me, the guys in the band, I've got a, an excellent family that I can lean on. So I don't really go for like 
music to help me through stuff much anymore. Um, I know that I can like go have like conversations and whatnot, but I know how important the music aspect is for people. Um, so when I heard it, I knew I was like, I was like, I was like, this is going to be a, a pretty special song. Um, and as far as the writing process, I didn't really have anything to do with, you know, writing the, the music or the lyrics or anything. But um, as with every song, I get to put my fingerprint on it when it comes to the drum parts. And it's, mm -hmm. it was definitely more of a, a straightforward song, but I just enjoyed mm -hmm. just being a musician on it and, you know, really focusing on like, how do I, um, how do I bring the power to it, but also stay out of the way of like mm. the really like important things that are going on, like the lyrics um, and all that, not making it too busy and um, in the bridge coming up with some kind of like little cool, uh, little, little Travis Barker drum part. Like it was like the perfect, perfect spot for me to, you know, just be a little creative and like uh, take from some of my drumming influences um, and, and put a little bit of my, like I said, my fingerprint on it. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, I knew it was a special song when I heard it, I was stoked about it. Um, as I was for every single song on skeleton Psalm, like there, it's the one record that I've made out of the four where I don't skip a song. If I listen to it there, all the other records, I have my songs that I could live without, but this one is like every song I was really excited about so hopefully that answered the question yeah no absolutely, absolutely. What, what's what's your favorite song that you've ever gotten to help write and what's your least favorite <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh man um this is where the truth comes out like yeah, kevin's like, like i want to hear this are, are, are you talking about like Every song that I play drums, the on, ones like, that you've written, the ones that I have. Yeah, I think you're asking like, like what's what's of. one of the ones that like you skip on a record that you yeah. you've been on. Um, <laughs> man. So my two least favorite. I already know the answer. <laughs> my, I already know my, two, my two least favorite songs is "Spinning" and uh, "Never Too Late." Um, okay. Okay. And those are those are my l least favorite. They're still good songs, but they're my least favorite. Um, gotcha. My, I, I don't remember what all two completely songs. different reasons. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what songs I actually even have any writer's credit on. Um, Chemical Wisdom, Meaning. I have a little bit of writer's credit on because um, Kevin was trying to come up with a lyric and I was just sitting up in the front of the bus and I was on my phone or reading or something. And he was like, he's like, what's the word? Totally not even like engaged in the conversation. Yeah, I wasn't even like engaged. I was just kind of like half listening. And he's like, I need a word for like this and this and this. And I was like scripting. And, and then I just went back to what I was doing. He goes, yeah, like a prescription, <laughs> like writing, like writing a word a for like, you know, a prescription, yeah. writing, uh, writing a prescription. He's like, ah, scripting. And uh, like, <gasps> and that word got used, and so I got a little bit of writer's credit on it, and I love that song. That's a fun <laughs> That's song, awesome. dude. Um, but uh, when he said it, though, we he's giving he's he's not making it as cool as it, like when he said it, we all our mouths all hit the floor, and we were like. <gasps> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, like, and here I am, uh, just nonchalantly, like, not even you know, like 
in songwriting. Oh yeah, mode. he's like looking at his phone. He he's was like, like, "Man, this scripting. songwriting stuff is easy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no problem. I can't. I can't like, write the line. Like, I wrote is, a whole song instead of one word. The line is so cool. It's like, "Is there something that they're scripting?" You know, and it's like just got all this like energy yeah. to it. Yeah. And oh man, yeah. Um, Apparently, he's just a natural. But definitely on the definitely on the new record. Um, scapegoat was a lot of fun just because it was the experimental song like we were just Uh like as crazy and as ridiculous as we can make this and i had been listening to so much like pod and limp biscuit and all this stuff and i was like (laughs) i was like all right on this bridge we're taking it full limp biscuit early 2000 like 2006 2005 i was like i just want to go full limp biscuit on this and you know uh ended up writing a drum solo that i was like i don't even know if the guys are going to go for this but i was back here in my room writing uh on my recording rig and i was like what is one thing that's never been done on a disciple album and i was like there's tons of guitar solos but there's never been a drum solo so i'm just gonna (laughs) float the idea and see what happens and everybody loved it and so that's how the drum solo came to be I, I haven't seen you guys live in I don't know, seven years now, unfortunately, but um, do you guys do that live? Like, do you get to play your drum solo? Not yet. We will. We haven't learned that song yet. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I know that sounds weird that we haven't live. learned a song that we wrote, but like <laughs> uh, writing it and performing it are two different things. Oh, yeah. Writing totally. it, recording it, and performing it are completely different animals. I think that's um, something that's like a disconnect for a lot of like casual music listeners is they don't realize yeah. like the difference between performing and writing a song or recording. Yeah. Well, funny enough, that's the reason why I think that Joey doesn't like the song Never Too Late is because uh all the, the guys we're all, they're always trying to write drum beats that he can't play as a joke and he always <laughs> he always ends up able to play them and able to play them well but never too late was his drum beat i think oh, that he okay. wrote yeah and it's hard for him to play it's not that he can't he does it and he nails it like every time but like I'll, it's we'll be sound checking the song and he will get 10 out of 10 angry at himself <laughs> For a mistake that none of us will ever even hear, notice, head, or care about. It gets in my it head. It gets in his head. He gets mad. We're going, what are you even talking about? You sounded amazing. You sounded great. And the song is really good, but he hates it because it takes him a minute to to find the pattern, I guess. I'm not I'm not really sure. You'll have to ask him. But like I will say that's a completely different reason why he hates the other song. I will say too, when I listen back to it, I'm like, I I don't feel like I was as creative on it as I could have been. So like you know, it's one of those where the song got released and I don't feel like it was really finished from my end, um, you know, just with the recording process. So when I listen back to it, I, I hear stuff and I'm like, that could have been better. That could have been, you know, but that that's just the reality of recording music, you know. And so. Um, so, yeah, it's every song I've ever heard of by. <laughs> yeah. Listen to it. <laughs> oh, Lord. I wish we could have done that better. Um, actually, yeah, like as far as writing goes it, on on Skeleton Psalms, the executioner, just just to quickly talk about that, I thought especially with it goes along with the video, but the writing of that song, the way it flows, I feel like it's like it got a very cinematic feel. Was that something that yes. you guys were going for like on purpose, like when writing that track or was it just kind of it came about because it feels like it's it's got those highs and low moments and it's. Mm-hmm it's got a visual to it 
if this makes sense, but it's like in audio form, like, you know, it's got that cinematic. Did you hear the song first or before you saw the video or did you, the first time you heard the song? No, I th- the I'm pretty sure I, I, I watched, I, I did a lot. I actually, I did a reaction video to that. So yeah, I definitely saw it first. Ooh. Yeah. Did, wanna, um, and to add I to that, that, like I would love <laughs> to add to that, I would also love to hear like where the Southern gospel intro came from as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, um, I'll start with that question first. Okay. So, uh, that was actually something Josiah found, uh, in a, a library of samples. He was looking for, really? uh, samples that were in the key of, I think that is in C minor is the, the key that the song's in. And so he found this, uh, black gospel choir singing, you know, these lines. It was like, who's caught in the crossfire, you know, like that. And it was in the key, and the tempo and all that, he just found exactly uh, <laughs> awesome. what you need. And he thought it sounded, he just thought it sounded cool. He threw it on there. So we didn't, we didn't have anything to do with that collaboration. It's just like, it okay. just showed up on a demo one day of he'll send, he was producing that uh, album and he would send the demos, you know, in a text thread to all of us. And we just, we heard it, you know, uh, just cause he put it there one day and we're like, <laughs> oh, that's wow, cool. that's, yeah. that's cool. Um, so how did the song come about was your question. Um, and uh, this one, you're literally asking about the two most miraculous songs on, on the album. Like, like how <laughs> hey, they, and they're, how they're they, the two biggest streamed on Spotify. They are. Too, yeah. So I think it yeah. Well, they're, they're very, they're very, very uh, miraculous songs in, in, in the way that they even exist. Um, so the song started uh, back in 2016 as a wow. long live the rebels B side. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so okay. that's where, that's where it started. Um, I'd written those verses uh, and the verses are almost exactly what they were eight years ago uh, when we were recording and writing music for the long live the rebels album. And, but we had a different chorus and to our credit, this is kind of the same story as Promise to Live. I didn't like the chorus. Um, and I thought the chorus was weak. And I just thought it just didn't whatever. And so even though the verses were really cool, the verses were pretty much exactly the way you guys hear them. Um, to our credit, we didn't put the song out because it just is. It wasn't ready. We tried and tried and tried. I think we wrote like two different, three different versions of oh, the wow. chorus trying to work on it. And uh, and to our credit, we we shelved it because it just wasn't it didn't meet you know, that level or whatever. Um, so we're writing for skeleton Psalms and I think Papa Roach came out with a album called ego trip. They're, uh, one of my favorite bands. And so I get excited when one of my favorite bands, uh, releases an album. And usually what will happen is if I'm listening to something that, to, that I'm really excited about, I get inspired to write. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I was really enjoying just the, it's kind of like what Joey said. We had this vision for um, Skeleton Psalms to have a very early 2000s Limp Biscuit POD kind of like tempo feel to everything. Just like every song just kind of makes you just want to bounce, you know, yeah. kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of Papa Roach's uh, songs on this newer album had that it just had this bounce to it this this energy or whatever and so i was just listening to it and i was just getting inspired by that tempo and i just shut the music off and like just started writing for like an hour you know 
and ended up writing this chorus, you know, that was like, you know, um, stop praying over me last rites, you know, just had that energy. It had that rhythm, you know, um, it, and it's like, uh, this cross is where I come to die, you know, uh, and, uh, and, it, and even the line like this is a hill I'll die on, you know, they're always like these, they, I was just, I was really just inspiration was just firing. I was just coming up with all these lines, you know, these, uh, you know, whatever the, the line, the, the nails, you know, are like, are like my nails or whatever, whatever the line is. I was just all this inspiration firing. And that's all I could do was just a chorus. It's, it literally began and ended there in, in this chorus. All right. And uh, sat and, you know, tried to write a verse for like the next hour or whatever and was like nothing, couldn't do a thing. <laughs> and um, I don't remember if it was that day or if it was a few weeks later, but I, I was like, wait a second, we've got these verses from like, it was six years ago at that time, it was eight years now, like six years, we've got these verses from like six years ago that we've never used. It's like, oh my gosh, there's like, and they're, they're, they totally fit, you know, with what I'm trying to say. They're the right tempo. It's the right key. It's the right everything. I was like, I went back and I found them and I, I just uh, meshed them together. And uh, so we did that. And then we ended up writing, uh, you know, this, this bridge later after we put that all together. So it was a very miraculous song in the fact that it was this song that we had from eight years ago that was shelved. Uh, that we thought had some really cool parts and we were able to like just write this new part that we were excited about and be able to reach back in time and and salvage these these really cool lyrics because i remember when we, we i remember when we wrote those verses you know eight six eight years ago whatever we all were so stoked and and really genuinely bummed that the chorus sucked <laughs> <laughs> genuinely bummed we're just like ah oh, why can't we write a good chorus you know do you remember any of that old chorus? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I can send it to you. I don't care. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I don't know that I even remember. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, was. again, again, it's, again, cool and sucks and things like that. It's all subjective. I mean, somebody yeah, else right. might think it's the, it might, they might think it's the greatest chorus of all time. Uh, but what really, you know, kind of uh, solidified it for us was, we were excited when the verse was happening and then when the chorus was happening, it was just kind of like, you just yeah, kind of get I lost see. in the lull. Yeah, and it was one of those chorus. It was just like, I even, I think I remember it was like, tonight is the night that my black oh, heart dies. If I rise, let me rise up in you. See, it just kind of just takes forever. It, to just like it, okay. It's yeah. like the plane yeah, is just kind of like, work. Uh, <laughs> that you know, and this other one is like, you know, stop praying over me, Lazarus. You know, yeah, you're like more one line and you're like, ah, let's <laughs> yeah. go. And this other one just is like, it's like this, this runway that just is like 17 miles long. You're like, we're going to get in the air, baby. I don't yeah. know when, but it's going to happen. How long is this that, tarmac? <laughs> yeah. That's the, it's like Fast and the Furious. That's the chorus yeah. I remember now that I was like, that's the same progression as Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rimes. And I, every time I heard that chorus, I was like, I was like, I can't stop singing, can't fight the moonlight. Uh, so if you don't know what that song is, just go awesome. look it up. It's great. I'll look it up after this. <laughs> All the Leanne Rhymes fans in this podcast were like, yes! yeah, dude. <laughs> Throwback. It, in eight years from now, we're going to hear that chorus on a new disciple song. Yeah. Because no, <laughs> it's going to fit that one. 
No, you won't. <laughs> it's done. It's how done. Many, we how never many songs it. do you guys have, like, kind of on the shelf? Like, are you? Because oh, I've heard stories so like many. Skillet or somebody likes to have Red. Even I think at one point they were saying they write like 50, 60 tracks, and then they're like, That's oh, insane. These ten are what the album's going to be. Like, do you guys mm-hmm. do that where you have just a massive yeah. back catalog? Yeah, absolutely. It's at the minimum 25 to 30. Okay. Wow. At the minimum. How do you guys know when to like, when to completely just throw away a song versus like keeping, putting it back on the shelf and maybe coming back to it? It's tough, man. Um, I mean, again, like I said, the one really cool thing about this group of guys is that we uh, allow each other to, to, to speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, it, it's it's very tough. It, it breaks your heart, you know, if there's a guy that writes a song mm. and he believes in it and you're like, I don't like it, you know, or like, I don't know. It, it kind of one of the unwritten rules or unsaid rules, even though we do say it every once in a while, uh, but we don't really like say it often, but it's it's an unwritten rule. It's like if you you can't just say you don't like it, you have to actually like try to. Yeah. 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 Well, try to make it better. Like just bring, because obviously somebody believes in it enough to have presented yeah. it to everybody. So it's good enough to, it's at least made it there that somebody created it in this group that, and they thought it was worthy to show everybody. So it's at least that good, which, you know, mm-hmm. has its own merit. Right. And so if you don't like it, you kind of need to say like, well, what if we did this or what if we did that? As opposed to just like, nah, I don't like it. <laughs> you got to at least <laughs> get sure. a, you got have to at least like, you know, get involved, get some skin in the game, so to speak. And uh, it is heartbreaking, man, whenever somebody believes in a song and you're just like not feeling it. It really does. Mm. It, it hurts, man. You're just kind of like, ah, I, don't really, I don't think it's it, man. You know, I don't feel it, you know, or whatever. And um, but again, that's the be- that's the beauty of it. You know, if you've got 25 or 30 songs, um, just these guys are so talented that uh, that, you know, they have other songs they've written so they don't get their feelings hurt that bad because it's just one out of however many, you know, they've written. Right. Um, and you just have to, you know, roll with that because, uh, I've learned from mistakes. We had a, an album called by God that had 19 tracks on it. You've got it right and there. I've, Chris. I, <laughs> yeah. And I've told, <laughs> I've told everybody, you know, the reason that there's 19 tracks on that is because we wrote 19 songs yeah. and <laughs> yeah. we said, we're going to, we're just going to put all the songs on the album. And now older and hopefully wiser, I realize that's not smart. Not all those <laughs> songs are good. You know, yeah. not all the, not all those songs were worthy of being recorded. Not all those songs were worthy of the time we put into them. So a lot of them should have been cut. We could have put out a much better 10 track album if we would have selected the, the top 10 songs from that album instead of the 19. There are several of those uh, songs on the album that are, are worthy of never being heard by anyone. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, and that's the thing. It's a, uh, now we're at a different spot where we don't – I don't think anything that anybody's writing is, is bad. It's just mm-hmm. this, the attitude we had was like we're going to pick the 10 best songs. And the result is, is Joey, uh, you know, is saying there's not a single song that he skips. And that's because we we made sure we were going to pick the 10 songs that at least the, the guys in the band, we all believe in them. You know, there's not going to be a song uh, that – skippable for us which we've had in the past right uh, and so that was the that was the difference in the mentality of this album absolutely and 
one thing I was wanting to ask was because you guys had gone that independent route for a while and then it was with uh, Long Live the Rebels that you guys kind of partnered up with Tooth and Nail at that point, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Was that something that was kind of in the works for a long time where you guys were just like, hey, let's, you know, see if we can get back into working with a label? Oh. Uh, so after doing Attack, we did it. Uh, I think we did a Kickstarter. Was it, it was Kickstarter, yeah. wasn't it, Joey? We did a Kickstarter for Attack, and um, and so we decided we were going to do the same thing uh, for Long Live the Rebels, uh, and partnered with Tooth and Nail to distribute the album. So it still was us right. independent. Right. We just part oh, with partnered okay. with them to just simply uh, distribute it. So therefore, it was literally no different than Attack as far as that was concerned. But we did hire like a long time Tooth and Nail uh, alum, famous producer Aaron Sprinkle to uh, legend to to do the album when it was mm-hmm. really cool to work with him mm-hmm. and um anyway so I, we just got really comfortable with all the folks at tooth and nail and they're you know uh for better or worse you know their 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 model of working with their artists is to just kind of let the artists create art and so i've had i've had both of those worlds the best of both worlds so tooth and nail is a label that um really lets us do whatever we want you know they don't ever question um you know, what we're writing or what we want to say. We're coming from a label where, you know, they were constantly questioning Mm. what we were writing and what we were saying. And, you know, I don't say that in a negative light, even though it did, it put me in a position where it was so wonderful to finally be have free to say whatever I want to say. There's some really awesome value to what they were doing because uh, the, the music and the lyrics were, were going through so many filters by the time it got to your ears, it was pretty darn good. Because there's a whole lot of people that had to like right. say, you know, like, this is good, you know, like change this, change this. What about this? What, what if you said this? By the time it got to you, you know, it was pretty good. Well, there's less, less filters now. And so it's really our fault if you don't like it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, it's dangerous a little bit to kind of have that relationship with a label that's like tooth and nail. You know, it, it's dangerous in a sense that if you don't have somebody, you know, like I said, driving a nicer car than you to say, that's probably not a good idea. You know, you can kind of get yourself in trouble sometimes, but we've been doing it long enough to where I feel like, um, we, we have each other to kind of be our own record label, you know, and have each other and are able to actually listen to each other, you know, um, you know, if somebody's like, Kevin, you shouldn't say that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, ah, come on, you know, I'll, I'll listen. Uh, Hear me out. Hear me out. Test test to this theory next time you guys are writing an album just turn in like the absolute worst like thrown together demo and just see if they say anything <laughs> they if won't. they'll tell you no guys come on you're better than this <laughs> they won't uh, they won't i know they won't it's a, it's it it's a joke that won't be funny. It's just like the joke will be the joke will be that we put it out and then our career is over. That the joke's on us. There you go. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, we'll release it next week. And be like, no, don't. Uh, I just wanted to see if you would stop me. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. So I guess I, I we're at about an hour here, so I know we should probably end this in a in a couple minutes, but. Um, I would just getting on like a more serious note. You guys came on to talk about um, 
promise to live and all the stuff you guys are doing with that i'd really love to hear um maybe if you guys just have some parting words for people who are listening who maybe haven't heard the song but need to hear the message maybe share like why you guys promise to live you know i i'd love to hear uh what you guys have to say about that yeah well i i'll start with this um that the music video just came out um a week or two ago and Again, if if you've listened to this whole podcast, then it's kind of like that song really had this moment at Winter Jam, you know, that was really not our, you know, almost orchestrated by God, and and um, so the the it seemed fitting that the music video would be us performing the song at uh, Winter Jam, and that's pretty much where the the music video comes from, and. Um, you know, that being said, it, it really it starts out with this this statement from me that I said every night. Uh, and that's, you know, for those of you that have made, you know, mistakes or that struggle with depression or suicide or um, self-harm. I said, you know, I just want you to know if uh, just because you've made mistakes does not mean that you are a mistake and that. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. Your life has value. It has worth. And the fact that you woke up this morning means that God is not finished with your life yet. And that's what I would say every night. Uh, and that's what I'd say to everybody tonight. You know, I, I uh, yeah, I've been a disciple for um, over 30 years, but some of the worst things I've ever done, I, I did as a Christian. And, um, you know, some of the worst guilt I've ever felt I felt as a Christian, some of the worst um, things that I, that hurt that I've inflicted on people I've, I've done as a Christian. And uh, a lot of people are very binary when they look at uh, religion and either like you give, you follow a, li- a religion and then you, you're perfect from that day forward or you suck at it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, or you're just not real or you're a hypocrite or this thing or that thing. And, you know, what I've realized is that um, the gospel of Jesus is not just for people who don't know him, but the gospel of Jesus is for everyone and especially those who do know him. And that um, I've been a prodigal son more than I've ever been a faithful son. And with that shame is how I relate to people who struggle with depression and thoughts of suicide of that shame of feeling not worthy, that shame of feeling like you're never going to be good enough that you're not, you might as well end it, you know, and the stuff I've had to live out and the stuff I've had to confess to and the stuff I've had to just, you know, come clean on all this. It's just, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it has this purifying and refining effect on you when you're actually able to be honest with another human being about you just don't have it all together and you need help. And that's the encouragement that I want to give to people is that it's okay. It's okay. It's just okay that you don't have it all together. And that's almost the most beautiful thing that we can ever discover is how just okay it is to not have it all together. That nobody does. (laughs) And that it's okay to hurt. 
uh, there's this beautiful verse. My father just passed away in September and uh, it's been really tough on me. And there's this beautiful verse in Ecclesiastes. It says that sorrow has a, a, a refining effect. And I love that because most of the time we are in sorrow, we're always trying to escape it, right? Through this is a drug or, uh, you know, or, or even pre prescription drug, you know, just some kind of like thing to help us not be sad or sorrowful or anxious or depressed or whatever. We're just trying to escape it. And you read this verse, it says, sorrow has a refining effect. And what I've begun to realize is that these moments of, of really difficult shame, sorrow, depression, sometimes they're really precious and really valuable and really kind of help shape us into to what we need to be. And, mm -hmm. and, to, and instead of like trying to run away from sorrow, it's okay to be sad, you know, and it's okay to, it's okay to feel not worthy and it's okay to feel like you don't belong. And it's okay to question those things because you know, it has a refining effect. It's whenever you sit in it too long and you kind of let it become your identity, then you start believing the, the lie that your life doesn't matter. And that's where I want to step in with the gospel and just say that your life absolutely matters. And the re that's why the redemption of Jesus is so powerful and so such gospel, such good news is that he can take our lives, even somebody like me with all these mistakes and still use me in spite of that. And it's, that's why I say, if you woke up this morning, then that means God is not finished with your life yet. Last thing I'll say, because Joey could probably speak to this some more because he's walked through a lot of this stuff as, as well and on, on a deeper level than I have. But I can say that God leaves nothing in the garbage. My mistakes other people's mistakes, the fact that I was abused as a child, he leaves none of that in the garbage. He takes all of that and gives us this promise that's very Bible-y and scripture, you know, scripture-y, that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And what all things means is all things. <laughs> the abuse that you received, the abuse that you gave. It's all part of your story and defines how you got to where you are. And it's okay to need to change. It's okay. It's okay that you have a past. It's okay. It's okay that you have a story because guess what? When you overcome that past and you overcome that, now you're going to be a guiding light to other people who have walked through the same thing. Because the only person, somebody struggling with suicide, the only person they're really going to listen to is somebody who's been there. And with that being said, I'm going to let Joey talk about <laughs> Well, everything Kevin said was perfect, so I'll, I'll keep what I've got to say short and sweet. But as someone who has been to the point where life got so dark that I was on the verge of ending it. What I can say is, is I'm really, really glad that I did it. And I'm really, really glad that I'm here. And life truly does get so much better. I'm not saying life gets easier, not saying that, you know, all your problems will just dry up and go away because, you know, God promised in the Bible, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. It wasn't, you probably will, or you might, 
it's like, you know, you will, you will have trouble. So it's part of the human experience. And like Kevin said, it's okay. Um, so anyone out there who might be struggling or on the verge as a person who was there, let me just tell you, I'm really glad that I chose against that because the life that I have now, my wife is very thankful that I didn't do that. I've got friends and family who are very glad that I didn't do that. Um, and I would be missing out on so much. I would be missing out on everything I dreamt of doing all because of a lie inside of my head telling me that I wasn't good enough or that I was an embarrassment uh, or that I was never going, going to be worthy of love. I was just believing a bunch of lies. And that's really what this is at the end of the day is your mind is just lying to you. And um, like Kevin said, you know, it's okay to have a past. And I, I love the illustration of there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror, because we've got so much to look forward to the future's bright and the rear view mirror is there to remind us of what has been, but it's so small and minuscule compared to what is laying before us and all the possibilities and all the things that could change all the, all the things that we can work on the, the, the things that we can do to improve our life. It's so big. And that rear view mirror is so small and insignificant. And your past is part of, who you are today and maybe you don't like who you are today, but that doesn't mean that you can't start taking steps tomorrow to becoming the person that you really do like, you know, start figuring out those things. It's like, how can I just get just one step better tomorrow in improving myself? You know, whether that's, I don't know, eating better food, sleeping better, uh, reading, reading, uh, a, a verse of the Bible. You don't have to sit down and read 16 chapters to feel good. Like read one verse, just take small steps. And as you continue to improve, your confidence comes back. Um, and yeah, you know, it doesn't all have to happen overnight, but yeah, if you are listening to this and you're on the verge, I'm really glad that you're here. And I hope that you stay here because life really is beautiful. Amen. Like, yes, it is. I, I just have to say, like, along with that, like, especially in your case, Joey, and and just the whole history of this band is like the music that you guys create, the ministry that you guys do, like when you're playing live, like it's it makes such a huge impact. Like, and it's obvious by just looking at numbers and stuff online. But um just on a personal level, having listened to Disciple now for 17 years or so since I got into music, um, <laughs> it's the amount of impact that the the songs have made just musically, but then especially lyrically and having the opportunity to see you guys a couple times. It's having grown up, you know, finding you guys in high school and now you know, I'm entering, almost entering my 30s that you guys still continue to impact me. And I'm one of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions that you guys impact with your music. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you guys do. Mm. 
Thank you. That's and, very kind, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And not to take away from anything Chris said, but I'm going to echo the same sentiment. I mean, I think I've been a fan 13, 14 years now since um, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades came out. And man, like when I was in high school, I had like, I really had no friends. I had nobody who liked this kind of music. And honestly, Disciple really was kind of like a friend to me. And your guys' music really got me through. Um, some pretty, some pretty rough and dark times. So I really just wanted to thank you guys from, uh, uh, on a personal note, um, from, for that. Wow. Oh my gosh. That may be the sweetest thing anybody's ever said to me. Hmm. Um, dang, I'm very honored to have been your friend for so long. Yeah. Thank you. So thanks for letting me be your friend. You know, as Joey was talking there, there is actually just one last thing I'd like to say. I, I love this, uh, I love this illustration um, that came to my mind that, you know, many years ago, there's this, there's this artist, Bob Dylan. And, you know, if you haven't heard of him, it's mm-hmm. okay. But, you know, he's a sixties folk writer, you know, kind of hippie movement kind of guy and wrote some killer songs like knocking on heaven's door that guns and roses. You might think it's guns and roses song, but it's actually Bob Dylan's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lots of songs. And, and Bob Dylan has got probably one of the, from a, from a vocalist standpoint, probably one of the worst voices you'll ever hear in your entire life. (laughs) Uh, But this, but that's, again, it's subjective. Cool is subjective. And that's the thing that the point that I kind of really want to make here is that there were so many people that thought his voice was cool and it wasn't just his voice. It was like what he had to say. And it was, it was him. And it's all these people, you know, I've talked about people trying to get you to, do things a certain way or whatever and try to get you to whatever. But really is the most beautiful thing that you can do is, is be you. And I think one of the things that really helps us get depressed and helps us get where we don't want to be here anymore is we see so many images of other people and we did kind of feel like we're not good enough or kind of feel like we don't fit in because we're, we're not that or we're not on this level. And there's a certain type of like, we just don't measure up. I think that's just the, the thing that we're always feeling on whatever category it is. We don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever. I'm not enough, period. I'm just not enough. And I look at a guy like Bob Dylan, who's like on every account, he's not, you know, this um, attractive Bon Jovi looking type of guy, you know, it doesn't have the, this, this range of like a Celine Dion type voice or the, the guitar skills of, you know, of Stevie Ray Vaughan or whatever. He's just Bob Dylan. And he sold more records than all those people I just named put together. (laughs) And the point I'm saying is it's you. This God made you to be you. And like, if you could just see the you, the awesomeness that is you, it'll help you get, it'll help you get through the fact that you don't measure up because you know what? Sometimes not measuring up, cool is subjective. (laughs) It just is. Some people like Bob Dylan better than they like Bon Jovi. Some people like Bob Dylan better than they like Limp Biscuit. All right. And they think it's amazing. All right. They think he's the greatest thing ever. And that's you as well. You can't, you can't win every 
battle. You can't be better than everybody else. You can't be prettier or smarter than everybody else. You can't be the best at everything, but the thing that you can be is you. You can be you and you're the best you you'll ever be. And if you can wake up tomorrow and be an even better you, um, that's the best thing that you could ever do for God. That's the best thing you could ever do for Jesus in this planet is be the best you that you could possibly be. So I encourage you to live. I encourage you to make a promise to live because I know some days it's easier than others, especially like, you know, whenever things go on really good, you have a lot of strength. When everything's going bad, you're weak. It's easy to listen to those voices. Trust me, I know as a professional center and my weaknesses, it was easier to just medicate whenever I felt bad about myself and about bad about the things that had been done to me, bad about the things that I had done to others. That's when just bad things will happen. So trust me, I know. But if you can just get to that truth, make that promise that when, when, when you have the strength, that way when you don't have the strength, you say, I know that this is a lie. And, and it gets easier because now whenever those voices come in and medicate, I appreciate or the, the temptations come to medicate. I appreciate them because they're letting me in on the secret. It's like, oh, yeah, OK. Like, I feel like I'm not measuring up today. Well, let's I have to address that now. Like, it's OK. It's okay to not measure up. It's okay that that person sings better than me. It's okay that that person has sold more records than me. It's okay that that person's nicer than me. I'm still me and I'm going to be the best me that I can be today. And it's okay. And I don't need to medicate anything because actually there's nothing wrong with me. Ah! <laughs> right? Like, boom, there it is. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're okay. You're okay. So make that promise to live. And um, and just be a better version of yourself tomorrow. What changes you need to make, make them. Whatever you need to do, I just appreciate I appreciate everything Joey has, has said tonight. You know, the windshield being bigger than the, the rearview mirror. What an amazing thing to say, man. Just yeah. keep pressing ahead. Keep changing. Keep getting better. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't have your sights, your vision on trying to be somebody else. You'll never be, you'll never reach your destination. But if you could just be you, guess what? You're already there. Thank you guys for this yeah, opportunity tonight. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys for joining. We really appreciate it.